we're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, we wanted to all come together and talk about this year, talk about 2012, what we want, uh, not necessarily what we want, but what we'd like to see that God does uh, through this uh, congregation, through this group of people. And mine, mine comes from this, is uh, I want us to focus on allowing God's word to bring us into closer community with one another. We want to be able to share with each other in God's word. And we do it through the story, but it shouldn't just have to be that. It should just be the fact that we are God's people and we want to, to follow him. And so we should, uh, I, I love this church. I love serving at this church, but we have a habit of kind of staying within our own ministries. And I hope that this year it, it can, the word of God can come in, can break down those walls and that we can share this together. Uh, the truth is that spiritual growth is best done together. We see Deuteronomy chapter 11, starting in verse 18. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to your forefathers, as many as the days that the heavens above are above the earth. Spiritual growth is something that is best done together. We are commanded to know and to act on the word of God. We're commanded to know and to act on God's truth. We should have it written on our hearts. And yes, personal Bible study is good, but we best learn in community. When we can talk to each other, when we can converse about the word of God, it's said that the Word of God, and we believe it, that the Word of God is living and is breathing and is active. And I've experienced that personally. Some verses that I've read a thousand times since September 14th of last year has come into a whole new light. Why? Because now I'm a dad. And these things have changed the way that I view some things. It's a whole new thing. And just to think about how we can read the Word of God and then we can talk to everyone who has different and unique experiences we can better learn. We can better feed off of each other. We can get a better understanding of, of the words that, that, we're, that we're reading. And more than that, it, it's to act upon it. If we are living in a community, we can talk with each other. We can keep each other accountable to make sure that this church and that these people, that we are all, all staying focused on the Word of God. And we're allowing the Word of God to motivate everything that we do. Uh, the second thing is this. We are commanded to teach others about God. We see uh, three instances of it in, in this scripture. Number one is children. I cannot tell you how excited I am that the kids coming up from Kids Place and our youth that come over from the youth house, when they enter the commons, they will have talked about and have learned the same thing that you have in your Sunday schools and that you have heard here from this, uh, this stage. The fact that we can all come together and have this in common, it's very exciting. We can talk to, to five-year-olds and say, hey, what did you learn today? And we can see just the, the joy in their, their faces about learning about creation or about David and Goliath. And we can relate to it because we just learned it too. We need to make sure that we're investing in our children. And I hope that you this year will take it upon yourself to make a day or a time each and every day to have intentional conversations about the Word of God. We see in, in Deuteronomy, it says, you know, every time that you're, you go to bed, every time you get up, when you're eating, wh wherever you're going, when you're traveling, 
Let the word of God motivate your conversations. Talk about it with your children. Uh, Secondly, it talks about how we need to put uh, the scriptures on our door frames and on our gates. And I think today some people said, well, put bumper stickers and stuff like that. I don't think that's exactly what it's saying. I think it's saying make sure everyone that meets you knows that you're a person who believes that God's word is is life-breathing, that God's word is, is what you believe in. They can say other things about you. They can say other good attributes that you have. But make sure that they say that this person believes in God and believes in God's word. And the last thing that was in the scripture, it echoes the, the commandment of honoring your father and your mother. That's the only commandment that God gives a promise with. It says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. As long as you continue to pass down the word of God and live honorable lives from generation to generation, you'll continue, you'll continue to, to live in the favor of God. You'll continue to grow in God. And wouldn't it be great if we can set the precedent starting in 2012 that we come together and the leaders in 5, 10, 15 years of this church can look back and not say, let's do exactly what they did because the times are going to change. But they can say, they were a church of the Bible. And can we be that too? Can we continue that legacy? I mean, we see throughout Israel's history, a corrupt generation usually led to what? corrupt generation it took someone or or took god using certain people to bring them out uh, of that path and so may we this year focus on living in community together let's we have differing things okay We're, we're all different people but the one thing that we have together is this is we believe in god's word we believe that it tells us that jesus is the son of god and so we may not have anything else in common but we have those two things And so this year, let us focus on living in community together and focusing on the the Word of God and entering into intentional conversations about that. Jared talks about the legacy um, that we want to live. And I've just got too much excitement to stay seated. But um, but the legacy that that God's people left, um, and part of that legacy is understanding what's come before. Um, This church, this year is actually our 50th anniversary. Did you know that? And so starting in the fall, we're going to have a, a celebration uh, of that. Um, Anita, how big is that box of pictures? It's about this, about this big. Anita is going through a box of pictures about this big. Uh, it has been moved, and as we've moved the offices, I kept throwing all of the archive pictures into one box until finally it got this big. Now, I went through the box, and I didn't know the people. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what that ugly red house was about and why everybody kept going to it. I didn't know any of these things. Now, some of you have been here for a while. You know what I'm talking about. There was an ugly red house on the property where the new building sits. Uh, there, there were people there that are elders today that were this tall. There were people today that were elders that had hair this big. I mean, all of these things were, were happening in the box. But I didn't know any of it because I didn't understand the big picture of the story of the church. You know, growth and relationship, all these things happen best when we understand the big picture. To me, they were a bunch of photographs that were faded, and some of them were just crazy. And I thought, man, what, what does any of this mean? And can you make a church out of crazy people like this? And the answer is, yes, you can. But you've got to have a picture to see how all of that comes together. Now, what we call the big picture is we call that context. 
And, and context is key to understanding the Bible, and it's key to understanding our relationship. Good giblet gravy. Wow. Who was that? It was Joe. We're not sure. We're going to move on. But context, now that you're awake, is key to understanding all these things. Context is key to putting all of it together. Um, a lot of times we will preach, and since we don't have time on a Sunday morning to go through all of the book or all of the Testament or all of the Bible to be sure, we, we, we will read a synopsis, we'll read a, a section or a paragraph or maybe just a verse, and we'll talk about that. Now, that's great and wonderful as we d- detail study essentially a snapshot out of God's Word. But until we put all of it together in the greater story, then we really fail to see the richness that each text brings. It's like us getting a box of photographs from God's history and shuffling through them and going, this is a nice picture, but I don't know how it fits. I don't know what story it's trying to tell me. And even those that have studied the Bible for a long time, you miss that context because it takes so long to get through the Scripture. And so for us in this year, in 31 weeks going through the Bible, we're going to get that context of Scripture, and we're going to also get that context for our relationship with God. Now, relationships are also understood in context, aren't they? Uh, You understand that you can relate with your spouse in a different way than you can relate with your boss. Now, there's obvious reasons for that, but one of them is determined by the context. You don't spend a lot of personal time with your boss, probably. You spend a lot of professional time in a work atmosphere. That context determines that you act a certain way. You might go to Kroger, and you've maybe never met somebody so rude as that clerk there scanning things, completely ignoring you, until finally they say, you know what, I'm sorry, It's been a hard week. My mother passed away last Thursday. And then all of a sudden, now that we understand the context, they're not a rude clerk. They're a hurting individual. We don't know that unless we understand the context of that person in that relationship. The same thing's true with God. A lot of times we think of God and we don't understand God in His context. We understand Him just at the church, and church people are always doing fine because that's what they always say. But, but when we look at Scripture, we see that God has a history of dealing with broken people, and He has a history of loving on them and caring for them. And our relationship with God is informed as we understand how He works. Now, the last thing that that I want us to think about here is that we need to see how every lower story connects with that upper story, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. Uh, As we go through the story, we're going to talk about two stories. One is the lower story. That is the story of, of God calling Noah, and Noah builds a boat. And it takes Noah a few hundred years to build a boat. And it takes Noah's sons that time to build a boat. And it takes all of them to do this. And and another lower story would be Abraham. Uh, He moves, he leaves from his father's house to go to some place he's never seen because that's what God told him to do. These are the lower stories. But the upper story is what God is doing through all of these. The upper story is that God is making for himself a people of his very own. And so he starts with a righteous man named Noah. And then he calls out of that righteous stock, he calls out of that a man named Abraham. And he says, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be the father of my my chosen people who are going to be a kingdom of priests. That's the plan. 
to bring salvation to the world. And even out of that, he would send his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's the upper story. And we want to see how that upper story, that context, that big picture informs and, and, and penetrates every lower story. The big upper story is that there's essentially two trees. There's a tree planted in the garden that gives life. There's a tree in Revelation that's said to give life. Now, somewhere in the middle, we lost access to both of them. But there's, there's something that happens in the middle. It's a third tree. The tree is the cross. And it's on the cross that we regain access to what we lost. And that's, that comes through the grace of God. This year is going to be so cool as we see how God does that. And as we see how all of that happens together. I, I, I'm, I'm so excited about it. Um, and for us, put all this in context, that the big point for us here is that you would be equipped as God's people to do what God's called you to do. God, God is calling us to evangelism. This year we focus on that. And, and so many people say, well, I just can't tell people about God because I don't understand enough about the Bible. Well, folks, we're going to go through this in 31 weeks. And then we're done. And then you're going to have been through it too. And then you're going to be able to say, you know what, I, I know. I know what the big story is about. The story is that God wants all of humanity to come to him. That's the story. That story leads us to worship and Joe is going to share a little bit about that here. Well, yeah, I, I love worship. Can you guys tell? <laughs> so, you know, a lot has happened in the last few weeks uh, in my world. Of course, you guys know I had a grandbaby. And, you know, you think about time passing when you have your grandbaby in your arms and it's really funny I had three birthdays also in November December and I also had my 28 year wedding anniversary this past week and so I think about that you know it makes me think a lot about God and when Weston asked me to kind of talk about this and he sent me the passage to look at and man I was just blown away because it just fit like a glove anyway Psalm 73 is the Actual, I'm not going to read all of it, but just so you guys get the gist. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. For their callous heart comes from their callous heart comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. It goes on and on and on. There's a guy, you know, godly man looking at, you know, the world around him, and you know, his vision is of these people that have everything. They don't have any ills. They don't have any struggles. You know. And the first point in the thing that is growth is not always easy, and. I don't know if you guys know, 2005, I had this thing called heart failure, where it's called a dissected aorta, where your aorta explodes inside your body. You have no chance of survival. And it took me about two years to fully recover from that. And I'm a musician, so I was out of business for, you know, basically two years. Couldn't play guitar, couldn't sing, had no voice. It was a struggle for me, you know. I was It was not a good time in my life. A lot of depression, a lot of things I went through. And when I look at this guy's life. I was there. I was looking around me and all of my other comrades and all the other families and people around me, man, it seems like everything was just going so well. 
Um, but we grow through painful experiences. And he takes that pain to God, this God does, and it teaches him something about reality. Same thing in my world is, man, now when I, you guys see me and you think I'm excited about worship, man, that's not even the beginning of what I'm excited about. I'll wake up in the morning and I literally start breathing and put my feet on the floor and I'm, I'm excited because I'm alive. You know, I, I get to express myself in ways that a lot of people dream about getting to express themselves. You know, I, I hear Weston speak, you know, he's a great speaker, man. The guy lays it down and this guy, Mr. Quiet over here. I'm like, what gets up and preaches. I'm like, man, this guy's rocking it. And it's just a different vibe to be able to get up and express yourselves in ways like that. But, you know, God's given us the spirit of himself in us to be able to speak his words. What's more importantly, though, is we get to actually live out. And you, people get to see Jesus in your hands and feet and in your voices and in your songs and whatever area of your life that you are living. And so I'm really, really excited about 2012. Okay, I've got to stay on task here. Um, the new lesson he learned, the knowledge he obtained, led him to uh, more profound worship. And it's really funny, you know, 2005 was when I discovered um, praise and worship. First time I'd ever raised my hands in worship. First time I'd ever even done anything crazy like that at all, you know. And, and uh, I came from a really strict religious background. And so, man... It's night and day for me now. <laughs> I try to have to kind of hold back whenever I'm, you know, worshiping. But I, I really want to emphasize that my life is that way too as well. I try to be as intense and as intentional as I can when I'm talking with people, when I'm just around people. Because I believe that God has gifted all of us to communicate certain ways. Um, that worship will increase your knowledge of God is to you, and that will lead you to worship more deeply. And I'm telling you right now, guys, please, when we're in this room, please, the Bible says to do everything with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And please do your worship that way. Uh, today, we invite you that do not know Christ or need to be a part of this body um, to get to know Christ and join with us today. One last thing before I shut this thing down for me is I'm so incredibly Glad to be here. And I hope I get to stick around for a while and uh, worship with you in the story. Oh, my gosh. Um, I hope you're just as excited as, as Weston is because, man, I am. I can't wait to see the face of Jesus through his words and see him powerfully move through the body of Christ here. Thanks. Well, we're going to continue with our worship this morning. And uh, we're going to go ahead and have our song of decision and also prepare for communion. And so if you do have a decision to make and you say, you know, I, I do need to make a commitment to Christ. And in this new year, I need to, I need to get it started off right. Uh, we'll invite you to do that here uh, as we sing this song. This morning out in the commons, uh, we have people wearing name tags. And if you're not part of a small group or a Sunday school class that's going through the story and you're looking for that, ask one of them about their group. They are our group leaders or representatives from the groups. And they will be able to let you know about when groups are meeting or when their group is meeting and what their group and how they're going to study it. Um, and so please take advantage of that. As you walk out of here this morning and go into the commons, we're going to give every household a copy of the story. 
Uh, Jared and I are both going to be handing these out on either side. And so if there's somebody from your family, you would just say, yeah, why don't you go pick up a book uh, for us? That's that. And this week, your, your assignment is on your um, handout in your bulletin. It is to read chapter one of the story. Now, I know some of you techno-savvy folks have already downloaded the story, maybe in your Kindle, or you've been anxious, you bought the new version. I bought these back in May or June when they were on clearance because that's the kind of guy I am. This is last year's version from the TNIV. And so the wording's a little different from the brand new version that you'll pick up. The chapters are the same, the selections are the same, the page numbers will be a little different. That's fine, you can get by with either or. But we bought these at a great deal, and we're going to pass them on to you for free. Free. I think these books cost us somewhere in the department of eight dollars or so, maybe seven. Um, if you want to, well, maybe it's even less than that. Um, but if you want to make a donation, you can. We're not asking for that. We're not asking for that. We just want you to have a book. Uh, we just want you to have a book. And so we're going to give each family one of these as you leave. If you've got kids and they're downstairs, be sure to grab one of their books. We have a book here for third and fourth grade. We're giving these out one per family again that has children there, a preschool book, and then a kindergarten through second grade book. And let me tell you, these are beautiful uh, story Bibles, and you're going to want to make sure that you have one of these. Um, the story chapters in all of these coincide together, so every week we will be reading the same thing. Uh, one more thing, and this, this will be it. At the end of the book, you will find a study guide and a reading guide, discussion questions. I encourage you as you read through, look for these. Uh, we have some more discussion questions, a few different ones, out um, as you walk out of the church. Uh, we're going to email this out, though. So if, you, if you're techno-savvy, don't pick up one of these because we're going to be sending it out um, tomorrow. Um, but um, if, you, if you need one of those, go ahead and feel free to pick that up as well. Lots of ways to get involved. I'm just really excited about what, uh, what we're going to do. And I'm going to let you know that you're going to get out of the story what you put in to the story. And so it's really going to be up to you whether or not you say this has been a great experience. It will be if you put great effort into reading, praying through God's Word, studying it, and participating. It'll be great if you, if you, if you put the time into it. So I encourage you to do that. I think you'll find that it was a good investment.